The opinions expressed on this podcast are not meant to be disseminated as medical advice. If you need additional clarification or have questions, consult a mental health professional in your area. Hello and welcome to 10 Minutes to Save Your Marriage, the podcast where a comedy writer, that's me, James Breakwell, and a psychologist, (laughs) (laughs) Steve Olivas. Sorry, I was coughing there for a minute. Hey, that's me, everybody. Try to solve your long-running relationship disputes in 10 minutes or less. How are you doing today, Steve? Now, level with me here, James. Did you almost forget to say your name? I 100% did almost forget because I was still thinking about you being attacked by goats, and that's just going to fill up my imagination from now until forever. And if you don't know what he is referring to, listen to Wrong and Wronger or give it a watch this week. In the meantime, don't click off this podcast because we do have a listener question. We are both uh, excited and surprised to find, so let's go ahead and answer (laughs) it. Here it is. Hi, James and Steve. I'm a uh, 33-year-old heteronormative female, and I was diagnosed with OCD and ASD in middle school. My tendency is to be hyper around new people or if I haven't seen anyone for a while. Uh, And it's been exacerbated by the pandemic as I live by myself and until last week worked from home. I've recently made a new group of friends at church and I find myself wanting to walk back my previous hyperactivity for social purposes. Granted, I like that I'm an energetic and enthusiastic person, but I don't want to be known as the friend who talks too much, particularly as I pursue potential romantic partners. How How do I, as a neurodivergent person, balance my natural tendencies with social norms? Uh, P.S. Even those closest to me say that I don't talk too much and that the right partner will love it about me, but I still get clinically anxious about it. All right. Take it away, Steve. Boy, uh, she used some big words that I just don't use. (laughs) Neurodivergent, heteronormative. What? I'm not even sure what that one means, but you let me just clarify one of the acronyms you had, James. Did you say ASD? Yes, OCD and ASD. And I don't know what ASD stands for, so why don't you enlighten me and our couple of listeners? I have no idea. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so uh, that's the one I'm not familiar with, but she went on to talk about hyperactivity. I wonder... I wonder, honestly, if that was a typo that is supposed to be ADD instead of ASD. Oh, you know what? That does that does uh, make a lot more sense, actually. <laughs> okay, so she's talking about hyperactivity, and uh, the OCD makes her nervous because uh, she can't stop ruminating on she talks too much or she interrupts people, which is also common. But uh, my advice to her is two things. Uh, one, so... Just a a real quick trick that we teach uh, kids who like blurt things out too often. A a real quick trick is to create a log jam in your head just to slow the flow down a little bit. So what I recommend for kids to do is, and this can vary, but I'll give you the foundation first and then tell you the variance, that uh, just before you do anything, say one, two in your head. 
So it just gives your brain an extra step, an extra hurdle to get past before you blurt things out. We're trying to put a little spacer in between the light bulb going on and it flying out of the mouth. So inside the kid's head, I literally want the kid to be going one, two, look around, one, two, sit down, one, two, look up, one, two, stop, one, two, that, one, two, that. Like I just want to create that little half a beat spacer in there. And I like one, two because it's iambic and it has a little bounce to it. Like the kids can put it to music in their heads. You can literally put any two monosyllabic words or phonemes in there. It doesn't matter what you say. That's where I say you can vary this a little bit. Just say something that has a couple of syllables that has a little bounce to it before you do anything and sort of train yourself to be doing that constantly internally. Give your brain something to do. Now, with regard to the OCD, if uh, she's on medication for anxiety already, that's cool. If she's not, I would say it, OCD in a clinical sense is hard to get over by. Get past, get over, get through. I'm not sure what I'm trying to say there. It's hard to resolve on your own. Like it is a rough go. And there are specific programs that are designed to kind of long term take care of OCD specifically. But instead of letting her brain run with ruminating over you talk too much, you talk too much, you talk too much, you talk too much. Have it instead, give it something else to ruminate on. The power of your brain and part of anxiety can be quite beneficial in the workplace is that you are vigilant to little things. You're probably pretty aware of like what's going on around you because uh, your brain with that ADD and the OCD is open to not filtering very well. And in the workplace, that can be quite adaptive. Like you are a I-dotter and a T-crosser, and I'll bet your boss loves that. But because of that natural tendency, your brain tends to be more of a liability than an asset in social situations. Good at work, not good socially. So instead, tap into the power of your brain socially by giving it something more adaptive to ruminate over, which is something like people say, I don't talk too much. My friends say I'm cool. My friends say I'm cool. I don't talk too much. People say I don't talk too much. Like uh, instead of drilling down on what you believe you do wrong, even though the rest of the world doesn't believe it, start drilling down on what feedback you have received and you know is reality-based. So those are my two quick thumbnail, what I can do in 10 minutes, James. What say you? Well, I think those are uh, both great ideas. What I would add to that is to remember that making friends isn't terribly easy for anybody, especially as an adult. I mean, when your kids, you know, my my kids go to the playground and they walk away 30 seconds later with 50 new friends. And I've made like one new friend in the last 20 years. So it definitely, they they definitely go at different speeds. I I don't know if I would put you in the friend zone, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) There's a very special zone for you, and it's not there. But uh, I just a special corner in hell. Yes. <laughs> uh, just yeah. So remember that. So as as you're going out there, you're you're kind of uh, focused on your own deficiencies or challenges, thinking about how hard this is for me. What are they thinking of me? But the truth is, when you meet somebody new, they're probably not thinking of you at all. They're probably thinking of yourself of themselves. Probably going through a checklist that's not that much different than your own. Thinking, am I talking too much? Am I coming off, you know, atypical or weird? Am I putting them off? If I'm not, am I not? 
giving off the right friendship vibes. Uh, so just remember that. We all, you know, we're all the heroes of our own stories. We're all the main characters in our own adventure. Uh, and so the other person is too. And uh, if you come off and you seem hyper or you, you're worried you're talking too much, I mean, that's a pretty common thing in new situations where there's a level of excitement. And honestly, if there's one time to bring that level of excitement, I think it is upon first meeting. Sometimes, uh, you know, there are different situations that are high energy and low energy. And uh, meeting somebody in a social setting that's just set up to, in- to meet people, I'd say that is kind of a, a high energy setting. So of all the times where it might be okay to be a little hyperactive and, and more chatty than normal, I think that is the circumstance. I think that can maybe play to your strengths as well. And I would say as far as meeting somebody, would I rather meet somebody who's too enthusiastic, too energetic, and too talkative, or somebody who's too low energy and too quiet? I think I definitely go with the energetic, enthusiastic, talking person rather than somebody sitting there with their arms closed. Uh, so just remember all of those things about you. I mean, talking is great. That's how you make the connection. That's how you build up these social groups. And I think that you're. Uh, it's great that you're putting yourself out there to do that. I mean, there are a lot of people who at the age of 33 have just kind of given up and they're like, all right, every year my friendship circle will come uh, and be a little bit smaller until it's just me and my TV and that's just how it's going to be. And I mean, there are times where I, I've kind of looked at my life like that as well, but anymore I'm trying to get out there more as well. So I think it's <laughs> awesome that you're doing this. I think it's awesome that you're putting yourself out there and that you've recognized your own challenges and that you want to overcome them. So I think you are definitely moving in the right direction on that front. Uh, any closing thoughts, Steve? Yeah, I was thinking when you were talking, because, you know, I rarely listen oh, of course, to you, yeah. James. <laughs> so I've got a lot of time to think when I know you're blah, blah, blah. But uh, I was thinking when I go on stage, I always get pretty jacked on caffeine because I find that when my synapses are firing fast, I'm much better at putting sentences together and being funny and making connections. I never understood how comedians can go on stage drunk. Like, uh, I don't know how they function. Like, how does your brain work when it's moving through motor oil and peanut butter? But one of the things, the the, uh, caveats to that is if I'm interacting with the crowd before or after, I have to be hyper-focused on not interrupting and talking too much because I know exactly what the writer is talking about. And sometimes I'll talk too much or interrupt somebody, and in my head I'm thinking, dadgummit, will you just shut up? Stop. (laughs) So I really have to concentrate in those moments. It doesn't always happen, but my advice to the letter writer is if you feel it's one of those days for you, and some will be worse than others, really focus and concentrate on listening, maybe watching the person's mouth, doing something to give your brain something to do. That's my closing thought. All right. Well, I think we covered this one pretty thoroughly. If you have a question you'd like us to answer in 10 minutes or less, send that into James Breakwell at explodingunicorn.com. That's James Breakwell with the E. Oh, <laughs> of course, James Breakwell has an E in it. That's Exploding Unicorn with the E. This is going to be a spelling lesson Jeez. here at the end. Uh, it, Breakwell has two E's. It James does. Breakwell There's E's it. all over the place in that email address. Especially. Oh, it has three E's if you include the James. Yeah, but especially wow. at the start of exploding, that's the most important E of all. And it doesn't have to be a marriage question. It can be uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, platonic re- friends like it was today, uh, owner, pet, whatever you've got, send it in. Uh, this has been another episode of 10 Minutes to Save Your Marriage, and that's 10 Minutes of Your Life You'll Never Get Back. <laughs>